Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear a screaming shout. I love of Indiana is manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hello, Ward. Hello, Eric. Happy New Year. <laughs> well, I'm looking at my watch and we are recording this on January 3rd. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to start the new year and our first show of 2022 mm-hmm. with um, a question for you. Okay. How's that New Year's resolution going about being positive about IU basketball? Well... <laughs> We just cut the credits. <laughs> <laughs> just hit the song and we're out. <laughs> I will see. I completely, legitimately, completely forgot that I'd made that resolution. <laughs> uh, well, I'm here to remind you Ugh. that you did make that resolution not a week ago. So how's it going? Well, since since you put it to me that way, <laughs> I I'm not sitting here uh gnashing my teeth, pulling my hair uh any any more so than I have been for the last 5 years. <laughs> that, that, that is such a condemnation of what's going on. Well, it's it is I I've got to say there's just something built into me now that um senses pain, senses anger, senses sadness and quickly starts to turn off. It like the emotional detachment is it's it's such a hair trigger now. It happens so quickly, like with each successive season over the last, you know, five years. It's 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 like, OK, when when do I need to start checking out to not have days ruined? And so, yeah, I'm already starting to be like, all right, well, 
this is still largely the same team we had last year, except we lost Armand Franklin, and we just kind of grabbed whoever we could out of the transfer portal to try to put a team on the court. We really, like, I the way I'm trying to stay positive is, is like, okay, I can't really be too positive about where this season is going, but I'm not letting that make me pessimistic about where this regime is going, where Coach Woodson's tenure is headed. I'm not going that far down the dark rabbit hole. Well, it also made me realize and and kind of have an epiphany that I'm sure smarter people than me, which is the vast majority of people, have had already. But it made me realize why sites like Pigs.com and people like Brian Snow in the past or any of these other guys who have done this for a living on recruiting coverage, why it is so successful. And it's because for the vast majority of teams, there's 356, I think, Division I teams. All but 20 of them suck. Like, I mean, you know, like the majority are not playing very good basketball. So all you can do is look to the future and hope that that is better. And, <laughs> and so you parse rankings and stars and a, a performance in a random game in January against a team you have no idea. Oh, but our recruit scored 42 and had 28 rebounds. So he, you know, he's going to be the next thing. That is... It is simply, recruiting is simply hope. That is all it is. It springs eternal and we'll pay $10 a month for hope. Yet that exactly, we would pay more. Yes. We would pay more. Don't tell Peaks, unless, of course, he wants to cut us in on it. (laughs) Which, by the way, we've still never been given free subscriptions. It's crazy to me. (laughs) (laughs) But it it did make me go watching that game Mm -hmm. during the game. Mm-hmm. I was clearly thinking about what's it going to be like next year when Jalen Hood Shafino is the point guard. Yeah. How good can Caleb Banks really be? Mm-hmm. That said, I also was thinking this, and I hope it comes through on the microphone. I mean, that's the best I've felt in 24 hours. Yeah. I mean, it is cathartic to listen to it. Mm -hmm. And it encapsulates what every single one of us is feeling. The people that go on pigs and post messages about how it's the same as Archie's teams, how trace this, trace that. Where's the offense? How do we lose to Penn State? It's all exactly how coach Knight was feeling in that moment. And he was dealing with it for like a year. (laughs) And we've been dealing with it for the better part of 20. And with, with some notable exceptions, obviously in there, but 
But that is what I, I just kept thinking about. I'm sick and tired of this shit. Yeah. And it's just bad basketball. Well, and to your it's point, yeah, it, it, there is. It is still largely Archie Miller's team. Okay. So there's that. But, you know, and, and there's two sides to this is one, it takes time for any coach to come in and really make a program his own. You can debate how long that is, a full season, a couple of seasons, uh, maybe, maybe three or four. In the transfer portal age, who knows? But but what we we feel like we should have an indication of at this point is if you're giving a guy a lot of the same ingredients, how does it taste? Does it taste pretty much the same? Does it taste a little bit better? Did Was this guy able to use these ingredients and make a little bit better meal? Something a little more enjoyable a little more digestible. I would still say arguably, yes, maybe as much because it's just different. It's a different kind of gruel that we're choking down. But I will say yesterday felt, especially on the offensive end, a lot more reminiscent of the gruel we've been eating for several seasons. I have said this before, I think on this podcast, but at WWE and people, some people out there do like it when I throw in a little Vince McMahon story. Who doesn't? But that we would be sitting around the table like during bad times at WWE where it was like, man, just looking at the same roster, you know, and who we're going to put up against John Cena this week. And uh, Vince would just look at the roster and go, get rid of him, get rid of him and just cross people off the roster like that. They're gone. Bring in blah, blah, blah. And and somebody invariably at the table would say Vince, and usually it was Michael P.S. Hayes from the fabulous Freebirds fame of the 70s and 80s. He go, well, boss, you really think person X is any different than person Y? And you just got rid of person Y. You're going to hire person X, the same shit. And Vince would go, new shit is better than old shit. (laughs) And it's true. It is true. Mm-hmm. swap out uh, a, a kid ranked 125 this year for one ranked 125 next year, that kid's better. Like, it's just that new shit is better than old shit, and we're still taking in the wafts of new shit from a new a new staff, and we want to be optimistic. I did send you and the goons a text this morning, and I just want to read it. Okay. It's the net rankings right now. And I looked at, did you not see this one? Maybe maybe when I woke up and saw uh, that thread had been continued from yesterday, I decided I did not want to start my day that way. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> so I just took a screenshot of teams ranked 44 to 54 in the net. Oh, I see it now. We oh, are yeah. ranked 49th. Here are the teams. Florida, Wagner, Murray State, U- UAB, UCF, Indiana, Clemson, Northwestern, Memphis, Creighton, North Texas. Who the fuck is Wagner? <laughs> I know, who the fuck are they? I don't know, but they're ranked higher than us. Wow. Um, but that list of 10 teams, five teams ahead of us, you know, what is it? Five teams ahead of us, five teams below us. That's who we are. That is the company we keep. And truthfully, it has been for many years now. And all we have to go on, and, and I am trying to keep it away from 
going after the players because these players are playing hard. I again, I don't like the the things where people say, "Oh, they're not playing." I think they're playing hard. I think they're trying to do what what they can. I don't think they're playing in a in a particularly creative or innovative system right now, especially offensively. They're limited skill-wise, some of these guys, athleticism-wise, they're they're limited, many of these guys. They're trying, they're diving on the court. I think they're playing hard. I I so I don't want to put it on them. It's a program problem. And we've talked about for a couple of years now the need to upgrade the overall talent on the team. And that has not happened yet. And yes, there's a lot of Archie players, but he went out and got a, tra- a transfer portal point guard, a transfer portal small forward, a transfer portal backup center. He has the transfer portal shooter in Parker Stewart that never played for, for Archie. Granted, you know, it was Archie's regime and really Kenya that recruited him. But this is his team. And I didn't buy that it took four years with Archie. I sure as hell don't buy that it takes anywhere near that long with the transfer portal and the way things go now. And and I think there's enough examples of really good coaches in other places that have better teams in year one. But I am trying to stay positive. I am sick and tired of this feeling. I'm sick and tired of it. Yeah. But I like these guys for the most part. No, I shouldn't say for the most part. I like the, these guys on the team. Totally. Every single one that we've gotten to meet, and we've gotten to meet them all. I like them. I think they're in, there. In, in some ways, that makes it more frustrating, more aggravating, because I'm pulling for these guys even more. We've we've got to at least have one conversation with all these guys. We've interacted with them several times going back there. All clearly good kids, fun kids, uh, committed, dedicated, and when it's not coming together for them or for us sitting here watching and cheering, it just makes it a, a terrible way to spend your Sunday, especially right after a shitty Colts game. Like, you and I were talking about this before we started recording. I was supposed to go to Disneyland with my family. We've been passing this cold around to each other. You were literally supposed to go to the happiest place on earth (laughs) on Sunday. That was your day. You went from having, you were going to go to the happiest place on earth, and then you watched the Colts and IU men's basketball team totally shit the bed. I mean, there aren't two, shy of dying, you hit the, 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 the ceiling and the floor in one day. This is why I'm grateful. This is why I have gratitude is because I would have spent that whole incredible day at Disneyland with my family going to Avengers Campus and and then uh, skipping over to the other park and seeing the Star Wars, you know, all that stuff for the first time. A magical day. It's going to be. And then to go home and, and that night and then just be so excited to unwrap two more presents belatedly under the tree, which would be a Colts game where they would like definitely get the playoffs clinched and then the Hoosiers who would definitely win in Happy Valley because it's Penn State it has Brian Snow on their staff like it would have it would have totally ruined the day so now it was just a bad day that will be completely separate from what will be a magical happy day in a week or two when we're all feeling better so I I like your mindset on it Um, I do want to try to get out again I'm not we're not here to break down the game. It's frustrating. 
Ohio State's coming up this week, and that's going to be difficult. Minnesota um, ain't going to be easy neither. No. No game is right now. I mean, that's the truth. The way that's that right. With that was supposed to be the easy game. Right. <laughs> I, I do again I'm not gonna come I'm not gonna go after the kids because I think they're playing as I do think they're playing as hard as they can and they are trying to execute what the coaches are giving them but. just to, to point out how far we've come or not with this podcast is that our first episode was just like ripping on Devonte Green calling it Devonte Green and yesterday you and I were talking about how we missed Devonte Green like how sad is that? We missed his his vision and his ability to execute playmaking, a, a playmaking, a good pass, an interesting pass, creating his own shot. We were literally lamenting the loss of Devonte Green yesterday. That is pessimistic. That is true. There are a couple things that I do want to discuss, if you don't mind, that do bother me within our fan base overall and just the the collective IU Hoosiers consciousness. But hold on one second because I got to grab papers that I printed out. Oh, okay. I thought you you were going to have to go pee. No, I'm going papers. Well, how's everybody doing out there? Um, with Eric stepping away, it's up to me to vamp. Um, I'll say, you know, just for those of you concerned about my illness, my family's illness, it's not COVID. It's just some sort of cold. We've gotten the tests. It seemed like Omicron is a lot like a cold, so we figure we had that. But no, the tests just keep saying we're we're negative, so we're fine. Thanks for asking out there. <laughs> All right. So there's a couple things that are really chapping my ass, okay. and they have nothing to do with our play on the court. But I just... I grew up thinking that our fan base were smarter than everybody, right? We know basketball. We're better. We're more reasonable. We're not more reasonable, obviously. Uh, we're insane. But what I am so also, uh, to quote the great coach Knight, sick and fucking tired of, yeah, is I'm sick and tired of hearing or reading, well, Archie's teams would have lost that game by 20. Or we would never have come back if there was the Archie team. Or it wouldn't have even been a close game. I just want to, to deliver some facts. Archie's first year at Indiana, okay, where we ended up 16 and 14 and 9 and 9 in the Big Ten, okay? 500 in the Big Ten. That year, we did beat Iowa at home. We did beat Minnesota on the road, 75 to 71. We did beat Penn State, who at the time was ranked 19th in the Ken Palm. We beat Notre Dame in overtime in a very close game. We we lost a game to Louisville. Um, we, I, I think everybody just, because the Archie Miller era ended so shitty, we just say how bad that was compared to what we have. No, it's not that far away from what's happening right now. And I, I feel like it lets off the hook what's happening right now. We're bad now. We're not a good team now. We weren't a good team then. But this idea that every game that we're close this year is a game we would have been blown out of last, you know, with Archie's teams is nonsense. Oh, yeah. That is, it's not what happened. No, I, I haven't seen that out there that much. I'm probably, you know, certainly on Twitter or wherever. I'm not seeing it. But no, that's I just feel like it's more of the same. Well, I agree. 
Archie's second year, though, just want to point it out. Archie's second year. We started that year 12-2, and 3-0 and in the Big Ten. By the way, this is the year that we then lost 12 out of 13 games. So it all fell apart. We were 8-12 and 12 in the Big Ten, but we started 12-2, and 12-3. and three. Similar and that, record to what we have now. And there were insane injuries that season. We can't, there, we can't totally discount that. No, and that year that we started 12-2, and two, we beat a 23rd-ranked Louisville team at home. We beat a Penn State team on the road who was ranked at the time 43rd in the country, not 100th. The good okay. old days. These are the good old days. Yeah, right. My, <laughs> I just I just don't think that what's happening right now isn't good. You don't need to make it better by saying that what we had a couple of years ago was so much worse. No, for, stop it. The standard for Indiana is just better than what we have now, period. That's all that matters. What Archie did in his teams and whatever our memory does to those games and those seasons and makes them even worse than they were, like – that it's bullshit. It's just bullshit to try to make us all feel better about what's going on now. And it's just not true. These kids play hard. And, you know, I think for the most part, they played hard for Archie. They weren't talented enough and the schemes weren't good enough. Well, let, let me pause. Let me pause you. Let me hit the, the Eric pause. Perfect. Look at that. Let me see how, for those of you watching on the video, we're going to see how long Eric is willing to commit to this bit where he's absolutely frozen. (laughs) Okay, we got him to crack. (laughs) Is you said people are just trying to make themselves feel better. Yes. Okay. Well, You're okay with that? I mean, I'm not totally against it because look, I'm I'm more of the ill. It's what we did with Archie and Cream. It's exactly what we did with Archie and Crean those first couple years. We were like, yeah, but they're not turning it over as much. Crean's teams would have turned it over 25 times. But, they but didn't play defense. You can't – I don't think you can argue it's too soon to to decide if this coaching oh, – Totally. Yeah, okay. Totally. So totally then, agree with you've that. Got I just don't think we need to compare – yeah, if you've got too small of a sample size, it's too early to really start making any kind of drastic conclusions. I am totally okay with people grasping at whatever they can find to try to feel better until it legitimately gets better or until it becomes very evident it's not going to get better. So, you know, me, I'm more of the like disengage kind of thing. But for those who need to get out there and try to find some reason to be optimistic, they could be doing worse things with their time. Okay, here's another thing I want to get off my chest. And I think we can all agree on this one. Big Ten Network, go fuck yourself. (laughs) Yeah. How many times (laughs) do you need to schedule games two hours apart when you know it doesn't start exactly at the two-hour mark and it will not end at the two-hour mark and then the rest of us have to go find that shitty Fox Sports app and try to find the game? You don't make it easy. Just stop doing it. You have a big enough sample size to stop being fucking morons. Just stop (laughs) doing it. Schedule two and a half hour blocks for games or put the Indiana game on a different Fox channel that is on the air that we all can get that is readily available. I I was so stressed out trying to find (laughs) the game. And then, 
And then to like, okay, finally the Michigan State Northwestern game's over. Let's go ahead and make sure we show Izzo and Collins shaking yes. hands after the game. Shove it up your ass. As soon as it strikes 0-0, you cut to us full screen. And honestly, if you're not doing what you said and having us on another channel that's readily available for everybody who's subscribed to Big Ten Network, then you got to do the split screen. You fucked it up. Now we don't. Why do we have to like? Why do we have to be punished for that? Split the screen until it's all us. Yes, the game was over. Like I get it. It was down to like ten seconds, but at ten seconds, the game was over. Right. There was no. There was. No, there was not in jeopardy. The game and was they, not hanging in the balance. And they they did this to us recently over volleyball. 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 <laughs> how much how, how much data do you need to know <laughs> that your scheduling sucks? It just sucks. Right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, God, they're, they're, I just I like, I, I want to strangle someone. We could do a whole episode about the shortcomings of the Big Ten network. You're right. Uh so I just wanted to get that off my chest because I do think it's something that all of us can band together and be in agreement on. I agree. I agree that we'll all agree about that. I have another one that I want to get off my chest. Okay. And I don't know where you're going to come out on this because I don't think you agreed with me when I first brought it up. But now we have some data. Okay. We are undefeated this year when we dress like we're adults as coaches. (laughs) As soon as I saw what we were wearing yesterday, I knew you were going to be upset. And when we lost, I, I knew that this would come up. When we dress like the people watching the game at home, eating Doritos and getting orange shit on the remote control, we haven't won a game. Mm-hmm. We are winless. Just bring the suit on the private plane. It's a private plane. I had to travel with WWE and travel with suits, sometimes commercially. And guess what? It does suck. But you're able to make it happen. But they try travel private, chartered. They pull up. They don't wait a gate. They don't check in through security like we do. They pull up at Monroe County Airport and they pull up right to the plane. That, just bring a suit on the plane. They're not even competing with other like paying customers for that that rare closet space at right. the front and the back of the plane. Just right. everybody walks in. Just drop your just drop your suit right in that little closet, and and. Dress for success. Dress for success. success. Dress like the baddest picture in the history of college basketball, which was Bob Knight and the boys rolling down the sidewalk dressed for success. Yeah, and it was cold in that picture. Yeah, they they were wearing ties and coats and overcoats. And do you think Bobby Knight was worried about, oh, how are they going to get it on the plane? To, it just this this idea that we wear suits at home, but not on the road. Although we wore it in Indianapolis, by the way, when they had to like take a bus ride, I guess then it was okay. How'd that go? How'd that turn out for us? We won. Huh? Huh? We won. Wear the suits. Do not wear what is on the mannequin at TIS's front window. Do not do that. Right. Do not wear what 80% of college kids are wearing 
on like Friday morning going to class. Stop it. Stop wearing what you wear in practice. It's not practice. It's a game. It's dress like it. You clearly think that it has some merit when you're at home and some respect for the game and the people coming to the game. Have respect on the road and guess what? Win more games. That's what happens when we wear suits. Win, wear suits. <laughs> well said. You agree? Uh, I, I, yeah, I don't think it makes a difference. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I want to talk about, uh, the other thing besides big 10 network, how shitty they were. Mm. I was so excited to watch Indiana women's basketball play Maryland on Sunday because it was big stakes, big big stakes. We had never beaten them. 11 tries. They were ranked sixth in the country. We were ranked eighth in the country. They are the reason that we're not winning Big Ten titles the last couple of years. And we had a chance at home, close to the beginning of the Big Ten season, to really plant a flag. And the game started at 12, our time. And the Indiana games, the men's game started at 1, our time. Now, halftime kind of lined up, but then the women's game goes into overtime. I mean, I had multiple screens going. It was so stressful. Stop doing that. <laughs> Stop doing that. Just move the game up an hour or move the game back an hour. Who do, who do we blame for that one? Dolson. <laughs> but I will say, watching that women's game, and I watched it with my kids, we were losing our minds. That game was intense from the first possession. Every possession felt like it mattered. It was a pretty good crowd. I think like five to 6,000 on a, on a game where no students are there. Yeah. But a top 10 matchup, uh, every possession mattered. It felt like Big Ten tournament, NCAA tournament level play. They had some just bosses on their team, Maryland. Strong, big, tough. And... And we were down uh, some players because of, um, I, I don't know if it was COVID or just being out with injury or whatever, but we had, we played s- uh, seven people and, and that's crazy. Grace and Allie played the entire game. And huh. so star players can play the entire game. Yes, they can. You know huh. why, Lord? Because huh. they're 20. Yeah. Well, Allie's 30, but the point, the point's <laughs> not fair. Not nice. <laughs> But they're in their 20s, okay? They can play 40 minutes with 27 timeouts and television breaks and halftime shows. They can play 38 to 40 minutes. Mm -hmm. Yep. And watching the women play, and it was tough. At first, Maryland smacked them in the mouth. The women came back and answered quickly. Then it was nip and tuck. Then we took the lead. Then Maryland came back. Then, truthfully, we didn't play well at the end of regulation and blew a big lead. We had a nine-point lead with a couple minutes left, blew it, went to overtime. And usually, as you know, when you blow the lead to go into overtime, you've lost all the momentum. Yep, it feels defeating. Yeah, and – it didn't happen that way. They came out and scored and ran good offense, like in key critical moments, ran plays and ran their offense. And what was so nice about it is you saw the game plan. The game plan was we are not going to let Maryland run up and down the whole game and score in the 80s because if we do, they'll beat us. 
we're going to take time off the shot clock. We're going to run our offense, and we're not really going to push it until 10 seconds left in the shot clock. And they had ultimate confidence that they would get something good. And they did mm-hmm. over and over and over again. And and Maryland at the beginning of the game was out in transition and really getting easy buckets. But that all changed when we settled into our game plan. And you just saw it. You saw it happening right in front of your eyes. And we got a historic win for Indiana women's basketball, a top 10 win, a team we had never beaten. And it puts us in the driver's seat for Big Ten. So it 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 does appear that this could be the greatest women's basketball team ever. We're not going to say it is yet. You mean IU women's basketball team? What did I say? Women's you just basketball. said greatest women's basketball team ever. Which, no, no, no. Okay. No. Yeah, for sure. Oh, that's what you meant. I mean, certainly from my point of view. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I the the idea of all the hype going into this season is it's scary. It's just scary to me. And look, our football team had all the hype going into the season and it blew up in their face. Now, there was a lot of reasons to feel more confident with Coach Morin and all the stars she had returning. Um and then the Stanford game happened. And, you know, I do think we 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 immediately said, like, well, look, that 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 was the number one team in the country, and that could be exactly what this team needs to stay hungry and to to push forward to reach their ultimate goals. And well, here we are. The biggest, I would say, besides the NIT win in Assembly Hall, like that was uh, that Maryland win was the biggest home baby. win uh in the history of IU women's basketball, right? What bigger victory? Because the NIT, it was the NIT championship, so that's huge. But this was like a top ten in the country win over a top ten opponent. Yeah, uh, no, it's a good point. I, I'm not as well versed in the history, but you very well could be right. And certainly it has major implications for trying to win only the, well, no, it would be the first Big Ten championship. That's what they're trying to do. They're yeah. trying to win the first Big Ten championship. And to do that over the last several years, you got to beat Maryland. And nobody really has. And we finally were able to get over the hump and do it. So, yeah, it was it was awesome to watch. And do, we, do we play them again in Maryland? At the end of the year, we play them at Maryland. Oh, boy. Mark it on the calendars, kiddos. Yeah. So, look – it almost seems like the way that the women played, just like this podcast, might be powered by. You know, because I don't do the siren call anymore, you have started taking real liberties with the powered by. Um, and I like it. I like it. You're adding something each week to the powered by that one that you just did sounded awful. <laughs> it's because I'm I'm sick. Oh, OK. But but you're adding some flair to it, which I like. Um, but there's still nothing better than straight. No chaser doing the pig siren call. I mean, it's no, no. It's both like Steve having done such a wonderful job with that is a big part of it. And then just you not doing it is also such a great part of it. The plus minus on it is really intense. All right. Enough of the funny business ward. It's one thing for you and I to bitch and moan about Indiana basketball, because we don't know what we're talking about. 
Not we at all. Games, we think we know, and then we come on here and we just have verbal diarrhea. Let's bring on somebody who actually is paid to evaluate talent, has played at the highest levels, has been in the front office at the highest levels, and might have a better perspective on what the hell is going on than we have a friend of our show. What do you think? As long as his name is, can I say it? Do it. Jared Jeffries, then yes. Let's do it. Okay. Here comes our guest. Here comes our guest. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I just said this guy's name, so there's no suspense here. Eric, do you want to say anything about him? I mean, one of our favorite people in the world, one of our favorite players of all time, the last guy to lead us to the promised land of the Final Four. He took us to a championship game. He beat the shit out of Duke. I mean, what more do you need to know? He was an NBA lottery pick. He's been in the front office of NBA franchises. He hazed you at Barney's Beanery. He did haze me and shoved my head in an ice bucket, and I honestly thought that I was going to drown. I thought that that was it. When I felt that giant hand on the back of my head, I was like, this is it. This is how my story ends. Good old Dunkaroo. Good old Dunkaroo, buddy. Good old Dunkaroo. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Jared Jeffries. What's up, man? What's up, fellas? How you guys doing? Good. Happy New Year. Tell us, uh, how did you spend your New Year? My New Year's in Puerto Rico. Um, it was awesome, man. Weather was beautiful. A uh, couple days down there. It's weird living out in California because when you want to think of somewhere like going to the beach, yeah, either it's like you got to fly to that part of the world or go to Cabo. Like there's not, there's no real easy way to get to like warm weather and beaches. Surprisingly, I mean, you go to Hawaii, but it's still five six hours away. So right, I went to Puerto Rico. Very nice. What did yep. you did you wander around the forts? Like I was in a History <clears throat> Channel pirate special once, where we they flew us down to Old San Juan and we ran around the forts because they're actually from the time of pirates. <clears throat> I've been there before. This was more just like a laid back vacation. We went to the east side of the island one day to a beach club, um, played golf, and then went fishing one day, um, and then just rest of the time just sit at the hotels, sit on the beach. Yeah. Your trips to Puerto Rico are different than Ward's nerd <laughs> trips, where he's touring forts. I wasn't touring. I was a paid actor. I was getting paid. Let's go find a fort. Wait, did you? Wait, wait did you have to wear a pirate outfit? And like, oh yeah, that? oh yeah. I not only that. This is the best part of the whole thing. This is the best part of the whole thing. My dad was in London. He was uh-huh. there with a friend, and it was raining. It was miserable. I said, Dad, I got this job for the History Channel. They're going to fly me down to Puerto Rico for a few days to be a pirate. And my dad's <laughs> like, I'm going to meet you there. I was like, okay. By the time I got there, my dad was in the hotel lobby waiting for me. So the first day of shooting, he can hang around at the fort because yeah. it's, there's like thousands of tourists there. And my dad can kind of blend in with the tourists and watch me be a pirate. But then the <laughs> next day, we're out like 30 minutes outside of San Juan at this secluded beach. And I give my dad like, yeah, well, this is where we're going. But I like it. There's nowhere to hide. Don't go. But yeah. my dad shows up. <laughs> 
<laughs> and he's just creeping around the set. And the first AD is like, what is this weird guy it's doing? Weirdo. And I go, look, that's my dad. And I go, I heard the director complaining that some of the pirates like myself, you see the same crew, like me and Blackbeard have the same crew, even though it was 200 <laughs> years separate in history. Yeah. So if you want, my dad could be part of my pirate crew. Oh, and the, fir the first AD goes, do we have to pay him? I go, oh, no. He goes, great, let's get him into wardrobe. So then they made my dad a pirate, too. I'll put okay. up pictures. I'll put up pictures. You will okay. see this. All right. All right. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. All right. That is a good story. Didn't know it was going there. All right, Jared, <laughs> let's get into some real talk. What professionally are you doing right now? Are you back with the Nuggets in the front office? No, um, I'm doing consulting work for a few different teams. Okay. So um, just scout and go and do that. And then hopefully next year, you know what I mean, with the world gets like a little bit some of the normalcy. Because even this year, no one really knew how much we were going to be able to travel and do that kind of stuff. So I didn't want to commit to just one kind of situation. But you are back in the game of watching a lot of college basketball, I would imagine, evaluating yeah. talent, putting that yeah. hat on. Yeah. All right, so let's just talk about Indiana. What you were 13 games into the Woody era. Uh, some of it is not fair to just all put on Woody because a lot of this is players he did not recruit, obviously. But what yeah. what is your take on what you see in Indiana University basketball right now? I think Woody is doing a good job, man. I think um, it's the same problem that we've had for a long time. Um, the lack of shooting is just concerning. Um, the game that they shoot the ball well. They compete at a high level, um, you know, and I think that they're just right now, they're a good basketball team. And there's nothing wrong with being a good basketball team. I don't think that they're, you know, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say good. They're an average basketball team that can have good nights. Okay. And That's, that seems fair. Yeah. You know what I mean? So they're nice that they'll play well, but I think they did a good job of their early schedule of picking teams that they, that they should be. They, you know, besides the um, um, the ACC, the Syracuse game, Syracuse isn't a very good basketball team, and they should have beat Syracuse. Um, but Penn State is in the Big Ten, and the Big Ten schools historically have beat each other up, and it's been hard to get a good rhythm. I mean, you look at how good Purdue was early on in the season. You know, like Purdue was, was gangbusters, and then when the Big Ten season starts, they drop some games. So I think that's how the Big Ten is. And until Indiana gets, you know, high, super high caliber players, you know, you have to have those five-star recruits. You have to have those guys that are going to be lottery picks in order to really compete at a consistent high level in college basketball. How do we get those players? It seems like we're starting to get those players. Do you, do you think as a former, you know, five-star uh, went to the championship game, played in the NBA for a decade plus, uh, would would Woody be the kind of guy you'd go play for? Yeah, I, I mean, Woody is, but Woody also has the resources of the NBA. He has the backing of his agency, which is CAA. And those kind of things are so important. He's not a lifer college basketball coach that whenever he loses, you know, one AAU program, the whole, the whole program, the whole college program goes down to nothing. Woody has a wide network of basketball resources to go out and get players. And he has at least these first three years, he will get high-level recruits. And I think it's also important, 
you know, that you submit yourself, if they're going to be an Adidas program or a Nike program, you want to be one of those top programs under those shoe companies so that they steer that top talent toward those programs. You know what, Jared, it's interesting you brought up CAA because I don't think most people that follow college basketball, you know, casual fans even think about agencies and and how they impact the game. How do agencies impact recruiting and, and, and the overall college basketball game these days? I mean, listen, agents aren't allowed to really have contact, but they contact the AAU coaches. They do this. And these agents, they want to know that, you know, if they have a chance to get a kid that goes to your program, that you're not going to be shelling him out to other programs. So there's a huge thing, especially with the NIL stuff that just came out. These kids are going to be able to have representation at a way earlier age. And if you can find a way for them to make money, for an agent to be involved, to make them money, that agent is secure that he's going to go there. When it's time for him to go pro, there's not going to be anything funny that went on at his time at that university. That's how you're going to be able to start getting more and more five-star recruits. I mean, um, I don't know if me and you talked about it. It was something really cool that I think Texas just did with their offensive line of their football program. Every single kid that goes there is guaranteed $50,000 a year Right. through a charity organization. That's a huge thing, man. Like, if you can guarantee a kid 50 grand and that's just his starting number for an offensive line who a lot of those guys aren't recognizable positions in college football, if you're a five-star offensive tackle, why wouldn't you go to Texas? Like, like you're guaranteed $50,000 out the gates to work for a charitable organization. It's a good look for you. It's above board. So I think that that has to be the creativity especially a program like Indiana that we get into is, you know, start and agents are involved in that, right? Like agents are involved in bringing the charitable organization together with the money to yep. the, to the players. So that they, they are kind of the, 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 the middleman that connects some of these dots. Yeah. And I mean, it's only going to grow and get bigger. I mean, you're going to start, you're going to start seeing kids with their own NFCs. You're going to start seeing that. And agents are the ones that are that go out and they still negotiate those deals whether it's the lawyer in the, in the agency, so whether it's Wilhelmina, whether WME, CAA, these things, they're going to have whole divisions of their agencies that go towards specifically making sure that, you know, these kids are taken care of so that when they do go pro, then they're first in line to represent them on the, on the NBA professional court. Yeah. Well, I, I am – wanting to steer it back to the talent we have now. And I thought it was interesting that you said they're an average team that can have some good nights. Yeah. Um, I guess we're wondering with it's a relatively different roster compared to last year, especially when you look at who's getting serious minutes, who's starting. Um, I'm wondering like what, what have you seen from what's going on on both ends of the court in terms of are you starting to see what Woody wants to do at the collegiate level? Um, or or do you think to a certain degree he's hamstrung with the talent he's inherited or cobbled together for this season that it's not really even maybe this year going to be a very fair look at what he wants to do at the college level? Yeah, I don't think it's a fair look. Um, uh, the last couple of years that I was around Woody, um, and I really watched him when he was coaching at the college game. I think 
Um, he really adapted well to a high picking role. Before he ran a ton of sets. You know, he would he, he would have sets. He would come down um, out of timeouts. He have first play, second play. He really came under the Larry Brown tutelage. And um, you know, once he was around and he saw the game and how the game was progressing, it was a lot of high pick and rolls, a lot of pistol actions. Um, you know, quick side pick and rolls, spacing the floor with shooters. And I feel like he wants to do that. I feel like, um, you know, even sometime with Trace, he tries to get him rolling in the pick and rolls. The problem is, is that if you don't have good shooting on the weak side to space the court, on those middle pick and rolls, you don't, especially in college where you can sit in the lane, you don't create much separation. So, I think, Wait, can we pause there, Jared? Because that is so good. <laughs> that is so good. So, and I want to make sure we all understand it. So, yeah. let's say Xavier's running a pick and roll with Trace at the top. Trace rolls to the bucket. Let's say Xavier's driving down the right side. Trace is rolling on the left side or middle of the lane. Yep. But the weak side. So, if Miller Cop is out there or Parker Stewart or whoever, you yep. know, we just don't have good enough players and enough of them. That <clears throat> defender is now collapsing and taking trace as he rolls to the bucket and there's nothing there. Yeah. So what you would do is you would preferably start the ball on, like you just said, on the left side of the court, you want Xavier to come off. You want trace to roll hard. So that the guy tagging, you want your best shooter coming out of the corner and he gets in what you would call the slot. So you want your best shooter to hold up when he's coming out. So now when you come off that, that guy has to make a decision and you see now a lot of colleges, um, who was I just watching? The kid at um at Wake Forest. When he went to Oklahoma and he transferred to Wake Forest, he gets a lot of um, lob plays to their bigs because they do have a good enough shooter that they, when they come off, they roll and they have rim um, uh, vertical threats at the rim. So that's going to be something that's going to be so important for Indiana in the future is to be able to have those knockdown guys and a good point guard that can come off and also make that top of the key three because it forces the guard to go over the top. I think that can... that is really – because right now we have Parker Stewart and Miller Cop who are both shooting 40% or higher from three. Not bad yes. at all. I mean, those are good numbers. <laughs> Great numbers. But, but nobody cares if the point guard shoots at the volume, all. The, the volume isn't there. And, right. and, and it's – and because of the way – I mean, he does do – what he does a good job. You give the ball to Trace, the problem is, is that – Right now, it slows the game down so much. Well, like when I was there, we ran a very similar thing where I would get the ball on the left side on the block. Um, you know, Trace prefers the right block. When you you back the ball down, a double team comes, you swing out, and you get open threes. Problem is now is that if you have when, – when, when I played that year, we had three knockdown shooters. You know, yeah. with, Cub, with Cub, Hornsby, um, and Fife that year, they all were shooting, like you said, high 30s, um, low 40s. So now you have – Three guys out there shooting the ball. If you have one guy that can't shoot, they're not going to rotate to him. They're, they're just going to say, "Get back to your own," mm. and and that really puts you in a tough spot. So even if you have two good shooters, you got to find that third shooter, or like you said, you got to have a point guard that can shoot and come off those screens, and a point guard that can make the pass to the corner if it's a open, big, like correct, right, and correct, has a, the a vision. Big, a big guard that can throw the ball back over the top, or you know, can get in the lane and be a creator. So. Listen, these are all things that come from the next level of talent or experience in playing together. So it's not fair yet to say to these guys that they can't do it. <clears throat> it's just that it's really, really difficult to come into a new program, a new system, new guys that you're playing with, and, um, and kind of see and, and kind of see what goes on. 
I am curious about, let's talk about Trace a little bit, because he seems to be such a conundrum in that the guy puts up great numbers. I mean, there's Mm -hmm. no doubt that you look at a guy who basically is a 2010 guy at the college level in the Big Ten. He has some massive games. But those of us who watch him all the time, I think we pick apart everything. We're frustrated (laughs) by the fact that he does not have a right hand. He doesn't have a mid-range game. Um, You're paid to evaluate talent. If somebody said, go give me an evaluation on Trace Jackson Davis and what, you know, should we consider him for our NBA team? What what would you say to them? I I truly believe this. I think that he has a place in the NBA. Um, I I compare him to Kenya Martin uh, Jr. I think Kenya Martin Jr. is a great example of a very athletic guy that's a rim roller, has to play hard. Trace's biggest thing would be defensively at the next level. Can he, you know, get out there and can he say switch onto smalls and not be a defensive liability? Um, the, the the things that limit him in order to be a ro- a full time or starting rotational big is his playmaking ability. To be, so when the guard comes up a pick and roll and they, and they throw the ball to him, and he's getting a lot better this year at finding the open guys, passing the ball, mm-hmm. you know, being able to catch on the move and find shooters on the weak side. But if um, you know if you don't shoot the ball from three at a high percentage, or you're not a good playmaking big, it makes it difficult for you to play full time unless you're almost an elite level defender, um, like a Corey Clint Capella or something like that, right? Yeah, like what's well, the difference between Clint Capella is Clint Capella is a rim protector, right? And, right. And and he's a vertical threat. And I don't, I, I think Trace might be able to do that, but it's hard. Most of the guys that are that are vertical threats at the rim are six eleven or taller. Right. Because of the contact and the physicality of the NBA, if you're a little bit shorter than that, it is hard to get off the ground every single time and dunk the ball uh, on those lobs at the rim. Now, we, we've we gotten a couple sneak peeks behind the curtain at, at some practices uh, this season, and, and Trace can fill it up in practice from, th- yeah. from three-point land. But there's yeah. been no call, and there really is no call <laughs> for him to do that certainly on a regular basis in gameplay for yeah. Indiana University. I'm wondering in the assessment processes, let's say he declares after this season, which he probably will, and he goes through being worked out by teams and whatever other camps um, uh, there are pre-draft. Can a guy like that really show you some stuff that he just didn't get a chance to show in games because, well, we don't need you to do that. We don't want you to do that. Can yeah. he change your mind between the end of the college season and the draft just by what he does in workouts? Yeah, I think, um, um, an example, you look at like a Channing Fry. When Channing Fry was at um, Arizona, you had no idea he could shoot the ball the level he could when he got to the NBA. A lot of times what you're going to look at, you're going to look at free throw percentage. Mm. You know, is it a big that's shooting, you know, mid-70s, 80s from the free throw line? And then when you watch his shot and workouts, you know, as long as there's no hitch to it, it comes off clean. All right, he, he can develop into a really good into a good three-point shooter. So, yes, those are kind of the things you look at, a free throw percentage and just kind of their release and how the ball comes out. But one of the concerns about that is, you don't want that person, like if, if they're drafting him to be a spot-up three-point shooter, then what does that take away from him rebounding-wise? Because he also, you want your bigs around the rim rebounding and, and also, you know, protect the rim a little bit. So it, it kind of goes both ways. But you need to be a knockdown three-point shooter. Do you think Trace is a first-round draft pick? 
yeah, I don't. Uh, I think that's a really tough conversation because all it takes is one team. Um, you know what? Now I think that this year he's going to be a lottery pick. I think that's going to be a tough conversation. But once you get out of the lottery, I think you see it time and time again. You find that one team that likes you, and they say, "Hey, we're going to take him at twenty-two. We're going to take him at at nineteen because they like him. He fits a role on the team." And instead of going out and free, especially <clears throat> now with him being a more mature player, instead of him having to go and you know pay a pay a guy six million dollars, seven million dollars in free agency, we need a rotational, you know, four or five that you know can grow and can play minutes for us this year. Hey, the guy in Indiana can do that, and they'll and they'll go draft those guys with those mid to late first round picks now because they can fit rotations and they save the money on having to pay. Because the the mid level now is almost nine is nine million dollars. Mm. So if you go out and you go to pay a guy, a mid level is a starter, fringe starter. It's nine million bucks, whereas a first round pick now in that mid range is around you know two to four million. Mm-hmm. Is it fair to say that look, there's a there's a freshman on our team, Tamar Bates, who just hasn't gotten enough run yet? Yeah, I think to say what he is. So let's kind of leave him out of the conversation because I just don't think anybody knows. But Trace is really the. Is it fair to say he's the only guy on the team that even sniffs the NBA? Yeah, I mean, right now, I mean, there's not a lot of guys that are on the radar of that, and I and I don't think there's anything wrong with that as long as because the transfer portal now thing makes everything so funky. Also, because yeah. <clears throat> you get a guy like Tamar Bates who, you know, is potentially a first round pick, then he doesn't get enough runners, get enough shots. He goes to the transfer portal, and now these teams are rolling over every single year. Whereas I think one of the strong suits that Butler had forever, Butler knew that they could count on every one of those guys for at least four years. Right. And they knew that, and they knew that maybe maybe not play that much your freshman year, be in the rotation your sophomore year, and then by your junior and senior year, you're playing real minutes. And being able to have that kind of continuity goes a long way in college basketball. Well, look, Purdue has been that model. I mean, basically, Purdue is that model with talent a little better than Butler overall. Wisconsin is that model. Wisconsin has gotten lucky now with Johnny Davis just blowing up and being – he seems like he's a lottery pick now because of how good he is. But but it does seem like it's one or the other. It's like you better go out and get yourself NBA talent. Correct. You know, if you want to have guys that – you, you go out and get that, or you just say, we're going with a program culture for your guys all the time. Yep. And if you're in the middle of that, it seems like you're neither fish nor foul. And it actually seems that's where Indiana has been lately. It, it's it, it's kind of where UCLA and Indiana have been. You know what I mean? Like yeah. where where you're, you're a story, blue blood program, and – you know, you're trying to get back there, but it's really never found an identity of what your program is. And I I mean, I do believe this. I think that you got to recruit the state. And I think Purdue, I'm not sure how they do it, but Purdue goes out and gets bigs. So their, their identity is we're going to have bigs. And you look around, really, the rest of the Big Ten, the rest of the Big Ten doesn't get bigs what Purdue does. Purdue consistently has a seven-footer, 6'10", 6'11", and it's it, – it gives you an advantage because at least you know that we have size, right? You know, and, and they play around that, and then they get and um, shooters. They always have shooters. They always have shooters, but then they go out and they get a superstar like the Ivy kid. Yeah. Then now you know it, it propels you that much more. So 
kind of what we talked about earlier. If you have a consistent program and then you throw in a top 10 player, now it takes you to that next level of success. As opposed to kind of real quick, or just to put a button on that, as opposed to kind of what we've had, which is the average program, and then throw in a Romeo Langford. And it doesn't do anything for you. It doesn't propel you. Have a mediocre program and throw in a Trace Jackson Davis, borderline five-star, and it doesn't propel you. It's like we're right. We're neat. We don't get enough of the traces to mm-hmm. build a competitive team, a really high high-level team. I don't mean competitive, but high-level. And yeah. we don't focus enough on the program building guys to have a whole team full of them. So we've just been caught in this weird wilderness of college basketball, which yeah. which is what we are. A five, you know, borderline, you know, at best a bubble team the last several years and, yeah. and middling in the Big Ten. Yeah. And I mean, listen, I, I really believe this, man. I think that Woody has a vision and with his resources, I really do, man. I think that um being able to have a true vision on the on what you want the program to be is a first step. I think he has that. I think he knows what players that he wants to play, the style that he wants to play, and he'll go out and do that. And, I I mean, in this year, all they got to do is win the games that they should and surprise a few people. And the Big Ten is deep enough, you know, they could get in the tournament. But it's a stepping stone, you know, get in, get in the tournament. Get to the tournament. That's all right? that matters, right? Get, get, to, get, get, to, get, get to the tournament. Give yourself that kind of success. And then going to next year with that kind of confidence. Because I, Ward said something earlier about Trace coming out. If I was Trace and I told somebody else and I, I wasn't a surefire first round pick, I would try to I would try to leave Indiana second in scoring, number one in rebounds, way up there in minutes played, way up there in games played. So that like worst case scenario, you look at the record book, hey, I'm the I'm the fifth best player ever in Indiana. Like and people might argue it, but like, hey man, my numbers are right there. Like, look at what I look at what I did. Well, and practically too, being that level of legend, a a a homegrown Hoosier who sticks around for four years, like he'll never have to pay for a meal in Bloomington again. No, no, or, I mean, or he'll never have to worry about getting a job. I mean, truthfully, if basketball doesn't that, work out. Well, I mean, that's what I'm extrapolating. Yeah. It's like, yes. Yeah. He will be taken care of within the state of Indiana for the yeah. rest of his life. Yeah, and there's uh, and there's something and there's something to that, man. There really is. I mean, there's something to that. Um, you know, I, Damon Bailey's a prime example, man. Like Damon, Damon was you know one of the probably the biggest high school basketball legend the state's ever seen. He played well at Indiana, um, and you know didn't panic, didn't transfer with all the stuff with coach. Had a had a cup of coffee in the NBA, had a chance. And man, he's been able to have a great life living in Bloom- living around Bloomington there. So there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that. But the competitive side, I wonder. Like Jared, you were I mean, look, you were a bona fide lottery pick, so it's a little yeah. different, I know. Yeah. Um, but you know, Trey <clears throat> is a really good I mean, Trace is an excellent college basketball player. He's a very, very good college basketball player who probably can get on with an NBA team in some way, a two-way contract, you know, whatever. He can get something probably. How hard is that? I mean, and he's not young anymore, you know? I mean, he's not young in terms of the way that you and other NBA people look at it. Yeah. How hard is it to turn down the lure of just get your life started in the NBA and stop losing a year? Well, yes, and I mean the the thing is though. Also, I won. Like I, I will be honest. Like That's if we true. didn't win, if we didn't win the Big Ten and we didn't go to the championship game that year, 
I'm not sure how I probably would have come out, but I'm not sure how my, my, my decision was made very, very easy by our success. I knew that we overachieved to some level, so no one could ever be like, oh, let's go win it next year. Okay, easy, guys. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like listen, that, that might have been – I might, I might have been all, I might have been all we had. We, we're, out of, we're, out of, we're out of gas. So I mean, <laughs> I don't. It made my decision very easy. You know. Now, if we had, you know, if you had never been in the tournament, if you'd never been in the tournament. Well, then it's also hard to say would you be seeing that high of a draft pick because people would have looked at you like you know you can't win. And that's probably something else with Trace that people look at, man. Just his level of success so far. Like the do, team. do people look at that, Jared? Will people look at it and go, this is a guy who scores 20 and 10, but he clearly doesn't impact winning at a major level? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, yes and no. I mean, Ben Simmons, you know, didn't really but, – but, like, if you're that level of athlete, that level of talent, then you're like, all right, whatever. Paul George, I saw him play in college. Paul George will have some bad yeah, – I think Paul George might have had a zero-point game. In college, really? I think so. I mean, James Harden had some awful games at Arizona State, but they were such a high level of talent. It was a little bit different. Um, look at the Garza kid last year at Iowa. He, Everybody said he wasn't good enough, he wasn't good enough, he wasn't good enough, but he stuck with it and kept playing. And his numbers became so gaudy. And his team success, you know, kept increasing. They were like, all right, like, this guy does, does deserve a real shot. And he, I mean, he, he'll, he'll get a chance and more chances. Well, somebody right up the street from Trace who came in at 24, very different player in Duarte, who the Pacers took. Yep. I just wonder, is there any argument to be made for Trace to stay in that another year with Coach Woodson actually really would prepare him better for the NBA than a 10-day contractor going to the G League would? Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, the, I think with the inconsistencies right now in all of basketball, I think we can say all this you want, but then, like, if if you do say go to the G League and do this, the season hasn't even started yet. They have the showcase. He also has to look at, hey, man, I can go, I can go to college. You know, what kind of money is he going to make in college next year? Like, if it's his senior year, they get to the tournament this year. They have a chance of doing whatever it is um, next year. How much money can he generate um, in NIL stuff? Right. If he can, if he can generate, if he can generate two hundred grand in NIL stuff, why wouldn't he stay in school for another year? Generate, generate a net money like net money like that in college, and then come out. I really do believe that the NIL stuff is really going to change the landscape of college, and you won't have kids just looking to come out, especially even the program. The program has a chance to be good. If you're a big-time booster that has a car dealership or you have this or that, why wouldn't you sacrifice hundred grand to see your team do good again next year? I couldn't agree more. Ward just sent me an article before we got on this about did – you, did you see this article about Texas A&M's football program? Mm-mm. It's terrifying. Texas A&M was ranked number one recruiting class in the, in the early signing period, the December yep. signing period which is a little bit eyebrow-raising. I mean, it's Texas A&M. I know they have a lot of resources, but they're not beating out Alabama and Ohio State, but they did. This article says, Ward, what was the number that they said that boosters came in with NIL money? 25 to 30 million for next year. For the recruiting class. Yeah. Yeah, that that's for the class next year. That's how you buy now in college football the number one recruiting class. Hey, listen, man. 
But the problem, and what I will say is this, the problem is, is that that sounds good until you don't win. I was like, just going to say. It, let me tell you something, man. I've seen, I've seen college basketball programs that shall remain nameless. I've seen them try that for a couple of years, and they put a lot of money, and they try to buy these championships, and it doesn't pan out. And then the boosters go back in there. They're like, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> like, listen, we gave you this much money to go win. We didn't. We, we don't want to get the final four. We don't want to make it to the tournament. We don't want the number one recruiting class. We want to put banners on the Raptors. And if you can't do that, like you're shooting your load. Like I said, Texas A&M, good, good on them. They do whatever. I'm never betting against Alabama when it comes to college football, but they are. <laughs> they're a machine. They are. But but you know what? Like the Alabamas, the Ohio States, you know, Georgia too, they have incredible support that we don't even know what the money is on those things. It's, like, it's, it's hundreds of millions of dollars. Right. Like for, for one, I'm, I mean, I, I've always said this. I encourage everybody to always go to a Tuscaloosa, to go to Athens, Georgia, to go to Columbus on a big football weekend. The town shuts down on Thursday. Friday, there's no classes. Like, everyone's rolling into town, getting their tailgates ready. Saturday, all about that football program. And if win or lose, they booze on Saturday. Mm -hmm. And then Sunday, they, it rolls over if they want it. So now you're about a four-day weekend where you bring all your alumni back all around that football program. It gets no matter what you do, your basketball program can never compete against a good football program. Like, and that's, I think that's why Alabama, even though they want to have a good basketball program, it hasn't really gone to those heights. Ohio State for a couple of years had a good program, but everything, when you support that football program, it takes so many resources from your, from your school. Yeah. It sucks up the oxygen. Yeah. Um, you were, I know it's been a couple months, but you were back in Bloomington not that long ago right? and you got yep. to you got to visit the team and, and talk yep. to Woody, i'm sure and see practice what yep. what um i know this is difficult and i don't mean to put you in a bad position but you also saw the prior regime and you saw yep. practices what what pleased you about what you saw with um woody and his and his staff and how they ran practice man honestly i like how woody keeps it light I'm I'm a huge, huge, huge believer in that. And I know college coaching is difficult. Playing in college is difficult. But one of my complaints of when Archie was there, and I think that Archie is a good coach that, you know, just struggled at, there at Indiana. He'll land on his feet and he'll coach somewhere else and he'll have a great career going forward. But you could feel like the weight of the world was always on Archie. And the weight of the world then was projected onto those kids on the court. And – it's, it's hard to play basketball like that, man. Like, hmm. you have to be such a mind control, you know, cerebral person. Coach Knight, Coach, that's a prime example. Coach Knight could take all of that, and then he, when he did pat you on the back, it gave you so much confidence because he never complimented you. He never tried to be nice to you. So when he was nice to you, it was like, dang, I can run through a wall for this guy. Archie – he wasn't hard on those guys, but he was hard on himself. And in turn, those guys just felt it. I think that Woody is doing a great job of keeping it light, making these guys believe we work hard every day. And I think that gets things in the right direction. I love it. What, yeah. what does it feel like back there now with coach um, in, in the big chair? 
you know, when we were back and and we were we were kind of running around there at Cook Hall and stuff, we saw a couple of former players that had absolutely not been to a practice in 20 years. You know, that was their first time in and around that building in 20 years. Does it, can you tell that the 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 family is around coach Woodson and rallying around him in a in a tangible way? Yeah, I mean, when I was there, um Mike Epps was there. Like I used to run around with Mike when um when I was young in Indianapolis, here in LA a few times bumped into each other. Um, and Big Scott, man, like Big Scott May was there. Like I, I know Big Scott ain't been to practice since Coach left. I know for a fact. <laughs> Big Scott. Did, did, so, Big, did Big Scott come rolling into that practice looking like Shaft, like he did? Oh my god, bro! It was so funny, man, because he had on these tinted glasses, and Mike Epps came over laughing at his tinted glasses, and then Scott got embarrassed and took them off. Man, it was so funny. <laughs> 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 but I mean. Like I said, Scott uh, Scott Jr. came in and yeah. Big Scott was there. I was there, Mike Epps, a couple other former guys. Listen, the basketball minds that he has around there, the support that he has, this is the best shot at, you know, kind of riding the ship. And I think that, you know, you got to get experience, you got to get talent, and you got to get lucky, man. I, I, I know the, the big kid they had that I think either transferred in or whatever, he's been hurt this whole time. They can't get him on the court. Um, with COVID, what's going on with the protocol, like all that stuff, um, you just got to get lucky, man. Like if, if they can stay healthy, then you get practice time and you have your full roster, it makes everything that much better. But I also believe that like now with the way that they train these kids, with the way that they have to go through all these things, I think it leads to so many more injuries. Like they, really? like they, yeah, I, I do believe this. I believe that basketball, you need to leave, you need to play all the time. You need, you need to you need to get used to playing, jumping, doing this, just working out. I think it leads to injuries because you're not used to being hit and cutting like that. And then when you do get hit and you cut in a game or practice, you step funny and you sprain your ankle because you don't learn how to jump in crowds with people around there, their feet down there. All this stuff now with just the constant workouts, I think it leads to more just like knickknack kind of like touch up injuries because you don't learn how to play as much. Hmm. All right. That is really interesting. When you're back in Bloomington, what are like the five things that you have to do? Back in Bloomington, five things that I have. Like it could be places you need to go, drinks you need to go have, bars you need to visit, food, whatever. I mean, what are the I things? mean it depends. It depends on it depends on what day. But I mean, I always go to Malibu Grill. Okay. Um, I love going there. Believe it or not. The Applebee's there at the mall. <laughs> <laughs> we used to go to that Applebee's and my parents live. Let like me tell you head. something, Jared. You can take the boy out of Bloomington, <laughs> but you can't take Bloomington out the boy. Uh, but you gotta you gotta realize now, that was one of our first chain restaurants. That wow. that 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 um that red lobster there on the corner oh, of third. That I agree with you on. That that red lobster was one of that, I think that got put there when I was maybe five. So that's been there 35 years. And Applebee's got there when I was in middle school or high school. So, I mean, I think it was when you were in high school because it, I think Applebee's showed up when Ward and I were at school there. Well, the only, only reason I, I, only reason I, I think it was high school was I, was I think it was like 98 or 99 yeah. Yeah. Was, was because they had our high school jerseys in there and they asked for like memorabilia. Nice. The hanging there and stuff like that. 
and the general manager at the time, we came in there after games. Sometimes he would leave Applebee's open for us to come eat because, once again, there was nowhere to eat. Um, All right, so you got to do Applebee's. You got to do Malibu Grill. Yeah, do Malibu Grill. Um, I always go to um, Night Moves. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, my neighbor used to own that. Uh, really? <laughs> Larry Larry Holtz was is he's the only house out there far. So, <laughs> so when I was growing up, one of the, I think it, I think he might have had two Night Moves locations, and there was there was one. <laughs> And I and I helped renovate one of the ones that was like. <laughs> what do you mean? Like you worked there? No, no, no. It was closed down. I think he owned the space, and he was trying to convert it into like a different bar. Dude, it was, it was like one of the only jobs I ever had. He hired me to do construction with the construction. I had a jackhammer for like two weeks. It was great. Like, Installing poles. <laughs> let me tell you something. You got to worry about a lot more than picking up COVID when you're renovating an old night move space. Oh my goodness, man. All right, so um, what about bars? Are there a bar? Is there, um, I, I see, like I, I go to Nick's a lot. Like if everybody's in town, like like we'll go to Nick's if everybody's in town. We'll we'll head up there and do that. Um, what about when you're with your family? Like, do you guys order pizza? Is there a pizza place? We, Avers, we, my mom loves Avers Pizza. Loves yeah. Avers. I I used to love Pizza Express, but yeah. then when they changed. Every day I tried to order a Big Ten and it was like eighteen dollars. I was like, inflation really has changed a lot, huh? <laughs> <laughs> it was called the Big Ten for a reason. It was called it was called the Big Ten for a reason. It was ten bucks. You get a whole bag full of breadsticks, the two drinks, and a pizza. That's right. Now, yeah, but um, but like really, man, when I'm home with my family, man, we my, my parent, my my dad is. We have five freezers full of food. <laughs> one freezer of beef, one freezer of pork, one freezer of chicken, one freezer of fish, and one freezer of vegetables. And I refuse to let them go. I'm like, we're gonna eat here at least two nights because we have to cook <laughs> some of this food, man. He buys a whole, he buys a, a whole, whole pig and a half of beef every single year. What? Now, does he ever do the hunting for the food? Yeah, with the the deer and the fish, we catch all ourselves. We do all right. ourselves. By the way, when are we going? Tuna fishing. Okay, we got to go this spring. Listen, we got to go. Uh, June, it'll start getting good. Like May, June, it starts getting good. Let's do it. You, me, and Ward, it'll be ridiculous. We'll be awful. I cannot. Honestly, I cannot wait to take Ward. I mean, that should be. I'm I'm praying for like six foot seas to see if that guy can hang on. <laughs> you know, Dude, well, the last I time I got seen a corner. The last time I got seasick on a boat out on the ocean was doing a pirate special for the History Channel. <laughs> that is no joke. <laughs> All right. Well, you, me, and Blackbeard, we're going to go tear up some tuna fishing. Jared, we love having you on, man. We thank you it, for the, the insight and the perspective is really incredible. And I, I, I really good. do appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we'll see you out here in L.A. when this COVID shit blows over. Let's. Uh, we should go get together and grab a cigar. Sounds good, dude. All right. All be right, good. Brother. I got he always does that, Jared. He always <laughs> says goodbye twice. I never get a goodbye in. Ward, Ward, I love you, buddy. I'll see you soon. I love you too. All right, be good. That was a guest. That was a guest. Dude, I just love that guy. I mean, you get like real basketball stuff, like not cliche stuff that you hear from like a lot of people that pretend to analyze basketball will use jargon that you and I could use, and it sounds good. Like, yeah, you really got to tighten up that pick and roll defense and roll, you know, like, come on. 
but he like really breaks it down in a way that I can like understand what he's saying. And it's no bullshit. The guy is analyzing talent for the next level. And then on the flip side, having a better feel for the business of basketball than about anybody we know where he can come in and tell you why it's a big deal that Woody's repped at CAA. We know in the entertainment industry why it's a big deal to be repped at CAA, but to hear him say it's so matter of fact like that of the the resources and the greater world of basketball that if we want Indiana to truly be a, a top five blue blood program again, you need to have CAA or the like on your side because it's about that it's about those stepping stones from AAU to college to the pros and everything that goes along with that on the business side. Yeah. And now bringing in business deals for athletes, like yeah. being the middleman. I mean, look, I, on my day job, I deal with agents that represent car companies, you know, and they bring deals to us. The agents do. Like they're representing the brands that have the money to spend. So, yeah, that was enlightening. I had not really thought of it in those terms. And then the, the, the kind of if it's the third leg of the stool, I can't remember how many pillars we've already given to Jared. But the other side is just the emotional side of what it means to play high end college basketball. Him talking about how Archie felt the pressure and how it's hard to play under a guy who you know is feeling the pressure and takes it all on himself and can't like disperse it the way that Knight could deflect it, you know, and have fun with it or just turn it back on the media and shove it up their ass. Like that was really interesting to just hear, you know, him talk about why it's great to keep it light, how that how important that is. Um, he really does bring just an incredible perspective to to the lunacy and idiocy that we bring to it. And he's just so funny. Like he yeah. was the second guy we ever had on the show. It was one of the few we've gotten to do in person. And I, it's one of the hardest uh, hours of laughter I've ever had in my life. He just had us in stitches. And, it, you know, such a dynamic guy that makes him so insightful but also so entertaining basically everything you and i are not <laughs> <laughs> all good looking successful <laughs> athletic smooth super quick and funny yeah you're right everything that we don't have um but look i i love having him on and i appreciate it but ward let's not talk about men's basketball anymore because that was plenty that was enough there is much what was I about to say? I don't know. <laughs> there it is. All right. No, no, no. I'm keeping, You're keeping that in. Fine. <laughs> Screw you. There is so much good happening in Bloomington with another basketball program that honestly is the biggest story of what's going on in Bloomington right now in athletics. It's one of the biggest stories in the country in basketball. And it's been a story that's been building for eight seasons. And it's just building and building and building and building. And it hit a huge high watermark this last weekend with a huge home victory. So it felt like we don't get to do this very often. Let's try. And she was kind enough to agree. Let's talk to the person who sits atop that beautiful, beautiful program. Yes, please. Here comes a guest. Here comes a guest. Well, I usually do a long-winded 
sing the praises intro. But how about this one? The single greatest coach in the history of IU women's basketball and one of the best women's coaches in all of the country. Please welcome IU head women's basketball coach, Terry Morin. How's that? How's that for an intro? It's pretty special. I feel really, that, that really makes me feel, feel good inside. So thank you. <laughs> all right. Well, first, thank you for being here. Uh, look, it's the beginning of a new year. It's 2022. We want to be optimistic and happy. And you are giving every Hoosier fan out there reason to be optimistic and happy. Let's just start with congratulations on the historic win this last weekend, beating Maryland for the first time, a number six ranked team, Maryland, your team up to number six in the rankings. I know you're worried about the game that is airing that is happening tonight because this will air on Wednesday. But <laughs> how did it feel to win that game? Well, you know, I think we all felt like we were due, right? Um, it's been a while. It's been a long time. It's never happened in, in our 10 years since, you know, we've been at Indiana. And so we felt like, uh, you know, we have the right pieces uh, this year. And uh, we, we felt that way a year ago also. It's just that uh, – and we spotted them 10 at their place last year but uh, made it a game and really felt like we let one slip away um, and then didn't have the opportunity to play them again. You know, we only played right. them once last year. So – uh, unlike this year, we're going to have another crack at him at the end of the season. But uh, this was a, an opportunity that uh, we just didn't want to uh, let it slip slip away in front of our own crowd. And we knew that Hoosier Nation was going to show up in a big way in which they did. They were fantastic. The energy in that place was unbelievable. And our kids could sense that. They felt it. Uh, and, uh, you know, even going into to the overtime, right, they, there were moments where we needed them and we needed their energy uh, because our bench was short, you know, um, with uh, some of our, our players that uh, weren't weren't on the bench. I do wonder going into an overtime like that where you guys had it, it was right there. It seemed to slip away right at the end of regulation. Right. What do you say to the team during the, the break before going into overtime to get them back headed in the right direction? You know, Ward, one of the things about this team is, one, they're incredibly fit. You know, you've been around them. You guys have seen them. Um, yeah. We have one of the best conditioning coaches in the country and Kevin. And and so, you know, we feel like we're built for this. We're built for this moment. Uh, we felt like, obviously, the crowd was behind us. Uh, but, you know, our, our, our conditioning, our fitness level, we knew going into it that that really wasn't a concern, even though our bench was, uh, you know, we didn't have uh, – it wasn't near as deep. You know, we didn't have some of those guys on the on the sideline. Our staff was we were not worried about us being able to, you know, the endurance piece of it. Um, and, you know, I think we went in. We were disappointed. We felt like we could have uh, taken care of business and regular and just, the, you know, the regular regulation. Uh, but, uh, you know, going into uh, now, we try to keep things interesting around here, as I always say with this <laughs> Uh, and, um, and, and I think that the feeling going in was that, you know, we're, we're still going to win this game. It's just that we have to continue to control the pace, which we, we wanted to do the entire, uh, 40 minutes and we still had to rebound and we just had to make some big defensive plays going, you know, uh, down the stretch. And, um, you know, we, we did just that. And so it was kind of great just to watch us, um, you know, go about our business and we didn't flinch. We, we didn't get down. We didn't, you know, we were, we were going into to overtime with one goal in mind and that was to win the game. I want to ask a couple questions just about big picture stuff. I, I had the pleasure of talking to another division one coach within the last year who's been coaching for a while 
and is now coaching a really good team, like for the first time, like a top 10 team uh, who made a deep run in the NCAA tournament last year. And I said to him, like, how do you learn how to coach that kind of team as opposed to all the other teams you've coached? There's clearly a difference when you're making a deep run in the tournament. Clearly last year you made the Elite Eight for the first time ever as a coach. Indiana's first time ever making the Elite Eight. Do you have mentors or people that you lean on to say, like, what do you do for practice schedule when you get this far into the season? How do you keep distractions away when you're talking about a team that is in the national spotlight every week with polls? How how do you adjust as a coach and learn? I think it's a great question. I I think one of the, um, you know, this just happened to me recently, uh, you know, with having Thad Mata over next door, uh, you know, guy that has, um, won a lot. And uh, he and I were in a conversation about, you know, when, when you are now the hunted, when you do have that X, I guess, on your back, you know, how do you manage that? And, and he, he, you know, shared with me a a couple, I I thought were really good things. He's like, don't, you know, you're always as the head coach. Yes. You have to plan for the next game, but you also have to plan for big picture things. And that's Marge. And so the best advice he gave me was tear pick, one or two things that you feel like are your weaknesses right now. And even though you might not be prepping for them for, let's say your next game, it will benefit you down the road, Hmm. uh, you know, for, for March. So I I thought that was a great, um, you know, just a piece of advice, you know, for someone that, again, this is sort of uncharted territory for us in terms of uh, the the veteran group we have, the the experienced group. And so how do you manage that? How do you continue to keep things fresh for them? Um, But also how do you, how do you make sure that come March, we're going to be better in some of those areas right now that perhaps are in our minds are our weaknesses. And so, you know, um, you know, whether it's five minutes, 10 minutes, every practice, uh, whether you're going to see a zone, whether you're not going to see a zone, but continue to practice those things uh, that, you know, eventually you're going to see down the road. And when you do, you face those, you're going to be so much better. Uh, and I thought it was a great ounce of, of, of advice, you know, for me. And so um, and it just happened to me, like I said, a couple of weeks ago, just in our running into fat on our way into cook hall. And so I appreciate wow so much from from him because he's somebody obviously um, I respect so much the the job that uh, you know he's done or he did at Ohio State and obviously I respect him so much as a head coach I do wonder going back to the Stanford game what did you guys learn from that that helped you pull off the Maryland game and you think maybe will help prepare you for facing Stanford or other top teams in the tournament when that time comes you know it's disappointing you know we got Grace Burger at the free throw line. We, you, the person we wanted there to tie it up and you're disappointed certainly um, that you don't send that game into overtime. But what I think the biggest thing that comes from playing a team like Stanford who just, you know, won a national championship is you walk away absolutely disappointed that you didn't win. Uh, but you also, uh, it just, it just confirms what we, what our staff believes and we know with this group is that they can play with anybody. Uh, and so I think it does uh, give you some confidence in knowing that, that we played, you know, they had, you know, Stanford had everybody back except for one gal. Um, and so, you know, this isn't a team that was full of freshmen and, and new, 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 newcomers. It was a, a team that won the national championship 
uh, without one of their, their, their starters, who was significant, don't get me wrong, but um, I just think it gives your kids confidence. It gives us confidence in, in our staff that we, you know, we believe we're, we're doing the right things. We're teaching the right things. We're playing the right way. Um, you know, I'm a, obviously a, a big fan of Tara Vanderveer uh, and what she's been able to accomplish. And so, um, yeah, I think we walked away better, um, certainly better, but uh, also uh, more confident in moving forward, um, you know, with our, with our team this season. Uh, to stay with big picture stuff, uh, obviously uh, we love recruiting. It's always a fun thing to follow, whether it's women's or men's. It's always what's next and exciting and hope for the future. Um, I, I was moved by the video that that the program put out that had a little bit of the speech that you gave the team before the Maryland game, which I would say is the opposite of a Newt Rockney speech on purpose, <laughs> right. uh, where you basically were like, listen, you don't need a rah-rah speech. You right. know what you have to do. Right. Um, you have clearly built this culture that has brought in players where you have a player led program and a veteran program. So no, no. I'm curious when you are recruiting mm -hmm. besides looking for clear skill and talent and athleticism and length, what are you looking for that lets you know that you have a player that can fit into the culture that you have now built at Indiana? Because clearly some don't, I mean, you've had some players who have left because they just right. don't fit. Right. What are you looking for beyond the obvious she can shoot threes. She can play in the post. What are those things that you're really looking for in recruiting? Well, I think the character piece is so important, Eric, for us. I mean, we, we have the opportunity to coach great kids. Um, but also, I think you have to have an unusual work ethic. You, you really do. You have to really, um, you know, enjoy uh, being in the gym, doing extra, as we call it, um, outside of normal um you know, practice time. Yeah, I think you have to be an ultimate competitor. I think you have to want to guard here. You gotta, you gotta want to play defense. You, there has to be a toughness about you. Um, and you're right, we get it wrong. And the kids that, um, and we, we may continue to get it wrong. I don't, I never like to get it wrong. But um, at the end of the day, what we ask our kids to do, we don't think it's, um, it's out of the ordinary. But some kids just when it comes down to it, they're not the right fit because they don't want to do some of those things that the Ali Patbergs and the Grace Burgers and the McKenzie Holmes, you know, are, were willing to do when they first arrived at Indiana. Those are the kids that have a hard time here. Um, and um, like you said, we don't always get it right, but we try like crazy in the recruiting and process, you know, to find kids that are, we call it being ate up, being ate up with being, being down there in the gym. Oh, so so how do you I mean, obviously, you can't go to a AAU game or a high school game and see that. So what what is like the research that you do to try to determine that? Right. Um, it's hard. Uh, you got to talk to a whole lot of people. Um, you got to go watch, you know, just watch the intangibles. Um, you know, you, the skill piece I've always said is, is easy to pick up. It's all those other little intangible things, you know, how I respond when they turn the ball over, how do they respond when they're down? Um, you know, their attitudes that they have with you, are they great teammates? How do they respond to being coached? Um, and, uh, you know, you gotta be really careful cause there's so many high school coaches that, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll give you information to serve them. Right. And because they, they, you know, they, there's something exciting about having one of their players go to a power five school. Um, and so you got to dig a little bit deeper. Um, and we have, we ask hard questions. 
You know, what is what is it what is it going to be like uh, if you come to Indiana and you sit as a freshman behind Ali Patberg, you sit behind Grace Berger. How are you going to respond to that? Um, and, and, and some of them will respond in the right way. And then some of them will get here and, and be like, wait a minute, you know, um, I didn't sign up for that. Right. Well, those are the kids that, again, if they don't want to get in the gym and they don't want to continue to improve, because we'll pour into them as a staff. You've been around my staff. I have one of the best in the country uh, that will, will pour in and roll up their sleeves. And our player development is off the charts great. Um, but, but that can only get you so far. You have to have the young person that wants to meet you guys halfway and get in the gym. And, and like I said, do the work, be ate up with the work want to get better, but it's hard. There's no science to recruiting. It's really, it's really difficult. We've had, you know, obviously Grace Berger being a five-star, we don't get into the stars behind your name. We just don't. Uh, there's a certain kid that fits here. They fit us. We fit them. Those are the kids that we're, we're in, uh, out searching for because um, trust me when I tell you, there's, there's um, something to be said about a two-star kid that has a five-star heart. Right. And just wants to wants to wants to work and wants to improve and wants to get better. Those are the kind of kids that I personally am attracted to. Well, coach, it's 2022. What what is your resolution as a coach? And what if you could give a resolution to your team moving forward this season? What what do you want them to resolve to do from now until the end of this magical season? Well, as you know, my favorite word uh, is joy. I just want them in, in right now. I, I don't want time to speed up with this group. I want it to slow down. If that makes sense, because mm-hmm. there's so many, not just experiences that memories that we're making, you know, um, and, and so it's, it's so special to be able to coach this group. I can't even uh, probably in words, do it justice. And so I, I just want to, you know, continue to take one day at a time be around these guys, continue to hopefully make some history with them. Um, but it, more importantly, make the memories and, and have the experiences that we're having right now. Um, because I, I will never in my lifetime, at least I don't think so. Maybe I will. I hope so. Uh, my coaching career will have another opportunity to coach another Ali Patburn. Mm-hmm. Right. And so for me right now, it's, it's trying to bottle up all these these memories that I'm, I'm making, we're making with this group and, um, you know, realizing that, um, you know, it's, it goes by so fast and there's, there's been so many moments where I have to remind myself to pause, uh, and ask our kids to pause and just, Hey, you know, we just accomplished something that's never been done here. Right. Um, with beating Maryland. Um, and uh, we, we need to, we need to take great uh, stock in that, the, the fact that we were finally able to do it. Um, but we also need to realize that uh, we got to move on and we still have business to take care of. And uh, when this is aired on Wednesday night, we'll be at Wisconsin, um, as Eric said. And the, 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 the last or the worst thing that could happen is that we come off such an emotional win against Maryland and be flat at Wisconsin. And I've always told these guys, it doesn't matter who's what's across your chest in terms of the team that you're playing, you got to show up with the same kind of energy, the same kind of focus uh, because it's, it's weird. And I, again, you guys know that I grew up in Indiana. There's something about Indiana, right? <laughs> that people just love, they, they love to be Indiana. And yep. that's such a great um, 
pressure and privilege, you know, to, 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 to have that, but it's, there's something about Indiana and Indiana basketball in particular, uh, that people can get extra fired up, you know, about, um, and, um, and again, we thrive on that though. Um, that, yeah. that's a good thing. That's a good thing. And like I said, we are, we're grateful that we can represent this university and women's basketball coach. You know, you're one of our favorite people in the world. We've gotten to know you a little bit. We want the world to get to know you a little bit more outside of basketball. Some mm -hmm. rapid fire, get oh, to know gosh. Coach Moore and choices. Here we go. <laughs> Chocolate or vanilla? Chocolate. Ward? Comedy or horror? Oh, comedy every day. Come on, The Office. You know that? <laughs> That's Yes, my dog <laughs> Dundee also knows that. <laughs> Hot dog or hamburger? Hamburger. Mother bears or buffaloes? Jeez. I like Ed. He's a he's a big fan of ours, so I have to say buffaloes. Good. Batman, Superman. Superman. Hmm. Wonder Woman or Batgirl? Superwoman. Yeah. I mean it's kind of a <laughs> I, I was like, yeah, oh, I should have said Catwoman because she's <laughs> kind of evil. All right. Uh early morning person, night out. Early morning, all day. Coke Zero or coffee? Man, coffee, coffee. Ice That's cream, hard. ice cream sundae or chocolate chip cookies? Chocolate chip cookie. Okay, okay. This this one this one's to make take it easy on you. Bruce Springsteen or John Cougar Mellencamp? kidding me Mellencamp all day <laughs> just just on that. I, want, I wanted an easy one for you coach <laughs> we gotta end on that that's perfect that was a softball that was a lob it that was, was coach we love you we love this team so much uh you know I got to be there with my family uh my kids for a week where we got to see um your team play up close and personal we we missed one game because it got canceled from the other team but my kids are were just so enamored with the character of the kids that you have on that team, the young women that are on that team, your staff who was so gracious and nice to us, and just how good you guys are. I mean, just how much fun it is to watch you play, the togetherness of the team. It is just everything you want in a basketball team. It really is. And you're doing historic things, and we know you're not happy with any of it until March comes around and we hang a banner or two. So right. uh, we, I just can't thank you enough for, for doing what you're doing. We love your team. We love what you're doing. And we want to support you as much as we can. And people got to get their butts in those seats to watch you play. Because just like you'll never coach another Allie Patberg, Indiana fans will never see. There'll be other great teams that you coach at Indiana. There will never be a team exactly like this one. And it is special. Mm -hmm. So go see it in person. Yes. We appreciate that, you guys. We love you guys, as you know, and we appreciate everything you do and, you know, to help us and uh, in, in encourage people to come out and watch us play. So um, happy new year to both of you. And um, hopefully we'll see you back in Bloomington soon. Absolutely. Year, Good coach. luck tonight. All right, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye, Bye. That was a guest. That was a guest. I mean, I just love Terry Moore. I do. I just... I know this is not possible or feasible, Ward, but I just want to be her best friend. Look, man, everybody needs a dream, a goal, <laughs> something to aspire to. And I just, I, yeah. I, I mean, I just like, I'm not ruling it out that you move back to Bloomington, 
you figure out that balance between like being too much no. stalker. Lord, you know me. There's no way I would figure out that balance. There's said, no way. It's a dream. It's a dream. <laughs> I just um, like the idea, like on a random Saturday in like uh, June, like calling up, hey, coach, uh, want to go grab some Buffaloes together? Here's here's how yeah. I think it really goes. Is she goes home to Seymour to visit her father and finds you on the porch already <laughs> smoking a cigar with him. <laughs> and and the dad just going, I can't get rid of this guy. Yeah. Um look, she is it's really special what's happening with IU women's basketball. Already this season, they have beaten a 13 ranked Kentucky team. Hey. They have beaten a 21, I think, or 22 ranked Ohio State conference rival on the road. They have beaten a six ranked Maryland team that they've never beaten at home. They played in a neutral site, uh, Stanford, to a one possession game, you know, returning national champions. And as she said, brought everybody back except for one person and one of the great programs. What Stanford is one of the top two or three programs in the history of women's basketball, Stanford, Tennessee, and Connecticut, probably. Yep. Um, but like we are there. That's who we're playing with. That's who we're competing against. You're going to win some and you're going to lose some, but we're there. We're in every game. I just and- love that her New Year's resolution was joy because yes. it, it'd be so easy to get so wound up, so stressed out, so freaked out about trying to deliver on all the promise coming into this season and what we've seen from this season. Like this team is is flourishing in the spotlight and under the pressure and expectations and that she's keeping the focus on joy for the team and for her just taking those moments to step back and be like, this is so special. And your point was was great that we as fans have to feel the same way. Like this isn't going to happen next year or the year after. And there will be other great Indiana teams, no doubt. But never this one with these ladies at the helm. And they are special human beings. It's like I think back to like the Calvert Cheney years. Totally. Right. And, and I wish I would have convinced my parents to take us to Bloomington more to see them play in person. You know, I only got to see them play a couple times um, and in tournament games. But that was a special group of people with Calbert and Allen and Damon and Greg and Pat and Nover. You know, I mean, Leary, it's just the list goes on and on. There will be other great teams, but there will never be that one. Totally. And, and it was such a formative thing for us. And, and I know, like, for my girls, this IU women's basketball team is that. Yep. I mean, it, it sure. is that they get to see people that look like them, that are women crushing it and having thousands of people in a assembly all cheering for them. It's incredibly special. And, and I agree with you. I loved that answer. And I loved that she's picking Fat Mata's brain. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I loved it. It's like, that's awesome. Uh, it's just so cool to hear the humility in a coach like Terry Moran, who's very successful, but always has something to learn. There's always somebody else out there who's got something to teach you. Well, and, and, thanks, and thanks to Scott Dolson. It's a guy right down the hallway who she passes in the hallway, who's been to two final fours as a head coach at the collegiate level. And that is that is something, you know, everybody in the building would be uh, better for 
listening to what he has to say. I'm so excited to watch them play at Wisconsin tonight, Wednesday, and I'm excited to see what this team does. And we're going to keep following them and supporting them and talking about them. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, at Hoosier Hysterics, for the hysterics, no E, no I. But the the sometimes why? why. See, I think that was the best we've ever done. Really? I was, when I was saying the words, I was totally matched up with your words. Oh, okay. I, I felt like it was extra slow and I was having this slow down within syllables to keep pace with you. But, you know, maybe, maybe you're right. It, it was extra slow, but I let's go extra fast. Okay? okay, let's try that. Follow us on Twitter at Hoosier Hysterics for the hysterics. No E, no I. But, but the sometimes, sometimes why? why? All right, now let's do medium speed. Okay. Follow us on Twitter at Hoosier Hysterics for the hysterics. No E, no I, but the sometimes, sometimes why. why. Yeah, the slow is much better for me. Mm, okay. Let's go slow again. Real no, no, slow. We, we already did it. I want to do it one more time to prove it. To prove it. All right. Let's Follow- do it like let's do it like slow motion slow. Okay. Follow us on Twitter at Hoosier Hysterics for the hysterics. No E, no I. Nailed it. (laughs) All right, buddy. We'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics.